0: This is your daily
1: real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Liz Faircloth. Thanks for being on the show, Liz.
2: Absolutely. Whitney, glad to be here. Like
1: in my business or, you know, like the listener, they're getting started in this business. Mm -hmm. You know, the money is a lot of times, like you said, where a lot of people start, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say, you know, what's going to be the next person we should be, you know, be looking for or to partner with? And I would think probably the analyzing or the brains, you know, or, or maybe, yeah, are you going to share some of those roles maybe initially? Or or would you say, you know, I really want to find this person that's going to assume those roles so I can just be focused over here?
2: It's a really good question. I mean, so I'll just share my our own experience. So for many years, we were buying, you know, small multis. You know, we buy a 10 unit. We grew very steadily. We didn't go from zero to 500. Like that wasn't our path per se. And that, that's other people's path sometimes, but it just wasn't ours. We grew very slowly and steadily in terms of our kind of rental portfolio. So we went from literally like a 10 unit, then an 18 unit. Then we did jump to a 49 unit. And really, my husband was at the helm of underwriting that deal, analyzing everything. He wore all three of those hats. He actually had someone helping him find the deals. But he wore the brains and the raising money hat. And at that point, we knew we wanted to get into bigger buildings. And you have to look at yourself because in a lot of ways, you're like, Okay, I can underwrite. right? Because if you're building a portfolio, you've been in this business, you can underwrite deals. You know how to analyze deals. And that's a skill you need to know. But then you're getting into like a 200-unit building. Well, that's a different underwriting skill set It's like, almost like going from, you know, the minor leagues to the pro, right? You know, you can underwrite, but it's a whole different level. And when talking with my husband, he's like, I'm, I'm a good, I can do it and I'm, I'm good at it, but I don't know if I'm as good as someone who, that's what they literally live and breathe and that's what they do. So he knew he needed someone to help him from that perspective, you know, from more of that, like truly, Underwriting perspective, and that's when he brought you know he you know connected with someone one of our partners now in our, our syndication business. Name is Ben, great guy, super analytical, and he came in to underwrite and really kind of you know was in that role. And then as we've grown, you know, he's then kind of more in like a COO kind of perspective. We're helping with you know the operational side of things, where my husband's able to grow the investor base and the brand and those sort of things. So you know, as we've evolved. And then we're like, we need help. My husband can't raise money for every deal for himself anymore. He's getting pulled in a lot of directions. So this current syndication we have, we're actually raising money for right now. We have a team, you know, folks helping us and really part of the, they're not necessarily fundraisers, they're really, we're calling them investor relationship people, you know, are part of our team and they're going to win along, you know, with us. So it's evolved. I don't think, my personal opinion is that it's hard to grow like from zero to like, you know, 20 members of a team, like you should grow organically and start to say, what am I really good at? I'm doing all this, but where can I maybe maybe partner, work with someone on this? Because this is needed and I'm just not A++ plus at it, you know? So I think that's the key is to say, as you grow and you start to, you know, get into it, it's like, okay, where might I need help? You know, where am I not a genius at? Because I don't think everyone, especially, in this business can be a a genius at many things. Honestly, take someone who's amazing in this business, who's doing really well. They're probably really, really, really good at one thing. And they're really good. They're amazing. Excuse me. They're amazing at one thing. And they're really good at like nine things. Because if you're good in this business, you know a lot about a lot of things. But my point is that you're usually like a genius, right? Like you can... You wake up in the middle of the night and do this Usually is one or two things
1: and I bet one of those things that they're really, really good at is managing a team or hiring team members, you know, yeah, just like yourself,
2: and you have to grow into that because it's like, okay, how do we win alongside ourselves because you know how in the syndication world in this apartment building complex, it's not like you have like you know all this just money to like not do anything with right because you're putting the money into the building, you're putting in money the assets, so you really need to start putting money aside to figure out okay, how do we put money aside to manage our investors to make sure we have enough money to, you know, pay for some help. And we're figuring that out as we speak because I think it's an evolving thing for many people. It's not like here's the business and this is how you do it. Like, you know, you might have the real estate experience, but building a business is different than real estate. It's in and of itself. So I think that's where people who have that business experience could just kind of run into this business and run with it because they built businesses before. That's great. But we kind of, I like to say, grew up in this business. You know, we kind of grew up in building a business in the space. So we have figured it out, you know, but I'm sure people take a lot shorter time than, than us. So
1: I can relate to a lot of that. And there's things like as far as your team, you don't, you don't know you your need yet or you're not ready for you know, six months from now, you're gonna have a different view or vision for your team than you do today. And almost until you get there, like you don't know, you know, you just don't know what you don't know, right?
2: And you wanna start small, you know, and start small and really try to figure out, okay, how do we build together? Do we both have an entrepreneurial mindset? You know, and that's the big thing too. Is somebody wants to get paid today? That's not how this business works, especially apartment building, you know, syndication. You don't get paid today. You get paid as that asset stabilizes and all that good stuff. So mindset and kind of interests also play into it. Similar interests, similar values, just entrepreneurial energy is important too.
1: Our guest is Vinny Chopra. Thanks for being on the show again, Vinny. Thank you. Thank you, Whitney. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Vinny, you know, obviously today, you know, we want to really narrow in on building our team and we want to elaborate on what that team looks like. And, you know, I want you to speak to the ones that are just getting started. You know, I know you're coaching many students also. And, and so I know you're used to, you know, helping people get started at building a team. Cause I think initially it's like, where do I even start? Who would I need first? You know, or the, you know, the chicken and the egg thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, which team member is most important? So get us started in just building our team, and let's dive in. Totally, totally,
3: Whitney. As if somebody's starting right away, I try to tell my students also, please look for a like-minded person Like-minded person with integrity, with trustworthiness, with their goals, where they are going at a meetup group, a local group, meetup group. Because, see, the thing is, you need to look in your circle of influence. I call it circle of influence, Whitney, because we have so many associates we have worked with in the past. We have relatives. We have friends. We have all these people. One needs to make a list of them and put down their qualities right next to it. Because you are looking for a partner who's going to really go side by side with you to build this business together. So, one team member that we all need is a partner. It's not a solo game. Please do not try to do it by yourself because you'll get discouraged. And I know for sure because we were discouraged for almost 10 months, we could not buy any property. Nobody wanted to give us loan. Nobody wanted to talk to us, you know? So we started from zero investor and they wanted to ask us how much experience we have. We couldn't lie, but we said we are learning it and that's how we are now so successful. So the big thing I would like to say is get a team member together, make a Wyoming LLC, get a business card, get a nice website 40 50 bucks people are able to make great websites for you you got to have a social presence you know social media presence okay now once we have that team member totally integrity wise there has to be responsibilities you got to lay out a foundation of the operating agreement and all the legal structure. Don't try to copy and paste things. I don't believe in that. So it's good to do Legal Zoom, which is a service which is very efficient service, very inexpensive, that you could do that, or even self-formation of the Wyoming LLC. I talked to so many attorneys. Wyoming LLCs are just like Las Vegas LLCs and Delaware LLCs, but they are much better. And then the other part is now we're going to talk about A syndication attorney. That's one person in our team because we're going to be raising money. When we raise money, we have to follow the laws of SEC ruling, Securities and Exchange Commission ruling. So I would highly recommend. Again, anybody could find a lot of different people, but Gene Trowbridge and Kim Taylor, they have been with me for 26 syndications that I've done, 27th one now, you know, and they are. Marvelous people, marvelous people. And Kim Taylor, you know, right from Florida and from Idaho, they're able to put packets. And there are a lot of other great syndication attorneys. Please go on their website and learn and read, you know, what should a new investor look for for the legal terms and how they have to not talk about advertising and how they need to have the you know, the pre-existing relationships, because most of the new investors will be doing mom and pop syndication regulation D, which is exemption with 506B, as in boy, where you can get up to 35 investors, you know, sophisticated investors, and as many accredited investors as you need. No problem. But the thing is, you want to really become a student of this profession. You can't just Start overnight success. You cannot do it. So, you got to have a member in the team. You got to get your syndication attorney. My real estate attorney is another person we need, right? In a team. Real estate attorney is again, it's good to have in the state you're going to purchase the property. So, in my academy, Whitney, I talk about okay, you've got, you got know, the team going, you got the business, this, 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 you got the investor packet. But the big thing is which. State you're going to be buying the property. You got to find the emerging market. And I teach that have three emerging markets at least, three different states, maybe three different cities, because you never know, you know, where that property is going to show up, you know? So you could have three or four emerging markets at one time and build relationships with get a syndication attorney, which is they could write in everywhere in the USA, But the real estate attorney should be from that state, from that state, because they will be the ones who will be involved in any contracts, any kind of due diligence if it's needed, any kind of litigation and other things like that.
1: Our guest is Neil Bawa. Thanks for being on the show again, Neil.
0: Thanks so much for having me on the show again, Brittany. I'm glad to be here.
1: You took your skill and you found a way to add value to people that were already in the industry and that really got your foot in the door and I'm sure you learned great deal and how you know and getting started at that time
0: yeah it's been a fantastic experience and one of the things that has really worked well for me is is the use of those virtual assistants so you know if you if you're ready I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I use VAs
1: yeah let's jump in
0: recently I was I was teaching at an event in, in Utah at a big conference and I I asked the people in the room you know how many people here work more than 50 hours a week and almost everybody raised their hands And then I said, how many people work more than 70 hours a week? And there were a few that raised their hands. And I said, well, how many people work 200 hours a week? So obviously no hands went up and people thought this was a joke. So they started laughing. And I said, don't laugh because I'm about to tell you that I work 200 hours a week. I work roughly 30 to 40 hours a day. And they said, "You know, how can you do that? There's only 24 hours in a day. And I said, simply by creating other people that I incentivize and train to think like me true executive assistants. So once again, I do not use virtual assistants. I hire virtual assistants and I turn them into true executive assistant. A true executive assistant is incentivized financially to constantly know what their executive is thinking. And they are actually given money whenever they do something that wows me, when they take an action on their own. Because you cannot increase the number of hours in the day by supervising your virtual assistants. You can only increase the number of hours in a day by getting them to the point where they make decisions on your behalf because you work with them so closely and you've talked with them so many times that they actually know what you're going to do. And they understand that what I really want is a philosophy where they have to ask for my forgiveness, not for my permission. But to do that, you've got to start with the right foundation. You've got to have the very best vias in the world. You, you can't start with somebody that's a low-grade person. You've got to have somebody that is a, a free-thinking individual. So here's how I hire vias So let's first talk about hiring, and we'll talk about how I manage them. Number one, I only hire from an engine called Upwork. I've tried many different engines, and in my opinion, the biggest benefit of Upwork is high-quality reviews. I look for very high-quality reviews. I get them. There only people that are hiring Upworkers can write those reviews. Upwork is where 100% of my VAs come from. I only hire women, and I only hire them in the Philippines. The reason I hire women is that very often I want people to make phone calls, and when you've got an accent women tend to be clearer than men are. And all of my virtual assistants use a software known as RingCentral, and they make phone calls, they make appointments, those sorts of things. They call our partners, they call brokers, they call our customers, they call tenants. And so it's very useful to have women play that role instead of men. Secondly, when I'm on Upwork, the first thing that I do is that I post a job And then I don't worry about anybody that applies to that job because my focus is to pick people out by myself. So I post it publicly because sometimes out of 50 people that will apply, I'll actually find one that I like. And so I let it be public. But 99% of the people that are coming inbound and saying, I want to apply for your job, I'm just going to decline them. What I do is I go into the search, the Upwork search, and I say, show me the people that are in the Philippines and have worked on Upwork for 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours is five years of full-time employment. So I'm looking for people that have worked 10,000 hours. There's a filter there for they've been active in the last two weeks, yes. I want people that are fluent in English, so people that rank themselves as fluent in English. And I want people that work for themselves. So one of the key mistakes that people make on Upwork is that they will end up hiring people that work for a company. Just so you know, when you're working for yourself, You've promoted yourself beyond when you were working for a company. So when you work for a company, they're going to pay you 3 bucks an hour, and they're going to have dozens and dozens of people, and because they're paying them so little, you're going to end up training one of their employees who then subsequently is going to leave to work on his own, and now you've lost an employee, and you have to start with another $3 an hour person. So do not work with an agency hired directly. You'll get the highest quality people. They're always working for themselves. They've cut out the middlemen. The only middleman, so to speak, is Upwork itself. They are not working for an agency. So I do all of these filters. And when I do all of these filters, it's going to reduce the number of people that I can basically hire. Oh, they got to have a 90% or higher approval rating. Now, that's the only filter available. I wish there was a filter that said 95%. No such filter exists. So once I'm done with all of these filters, and this is a box that has a lot of filters in it, then I click Submit. And then I have basically somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 people in the Philippines. As I mentioned, I'm also filtering out men because of accent issues. So now I'm left with maybe seven or 800 people at a time. And what I'm looking for at that point of time, I go through the process very, very quickly. It takes me about 10 minutes to do this, is I want to just work with people that have had a minimum of 20 jobs, right? So I want 20 jobs minimum. So as I'm scrolling through the list, I see people that have 10,000 hours, but they only have five jobs. Why? Because they had a few jobs and then some company hired them on a full-time basis for five years. Well, that person is not going to be very experienced. I want people that have done 20 jobs. So, they've done lots of different things. They know Slack. They know Google Docs. They know Office 365. They work with lots of different employers. So, as I'm scrolling through the list, I say 20 job minimum. And then... I want their minimum approval ratings from customers, their references to be 100%.
1: We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk
0: to you tomorrow. Thank you.